Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for October 8th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Too Many Rules. Don't be afraid. God has come to instill a deep and reverent awe within you. It's about all we need to know. Two weekends ago, during pregame ceremonies across the nation, dozens of players in the National Football League took a knee during the playing of the National Anthem. They knelt in what I have argued was a respectful protest. They did not break any windows. They did not set fire to any cars. They didn't yell any obscenities or carry torches or shout racist chants. They did not destroy anything. They simply knelt, quietly respecting the moment in a demonstration that was originally conceived by a player who is a former military veteran, who is a military veteran. They, they wanted to call attention to the racial disparities which continue to divide our nation. Unfortunately, the reason for their protest has been almost completely lost because the nation almost immediately erupted in righteous, patriotic outrage. Fans jeered and booed. Some whose favorite team had participated in the protest destroyed their own expensive team jerseys. Others posted videos online showing them burning their season tickets, irate and irrational. Social media erupted with name-calling and suggestions that any player who refused to stand for the anthem should be fined or fired, and there were indignant calls for more rules. We need more rules. We need a rule that everybody has to stand, all the players have to stand during the anthem. Oh my. Can you imagine a rule that required standing? What would that look like, and where would it end? All players, all coaches, all team personnel. But what about the fans? They have to stand too? And do you get a pass if you're handicapped? And if you're not wheelchair-bound, would you have to apply for a standing exemption to prove that you're disabled? And what about the concession stands? Would all fans be required to pause, all concessionaires made to take a break from beer sales? Oh my goodness, can you imagine? To face the nearest television television? and maybe stadiums would be required to install new TV screens so that every concession venue would have clear visibility to the stars and stripes. What about the bathrooms? Would they be off limits for 32 musical measures? And would the the rule apply for tailgaters who had not yet made their way into the stadium but were within earshot of the sound system? And how would we enforce such a rule? Maybe the NFL commissioner would be required to form a committee on on consequence to set fines or other appropriate restitution. And team owners would be required to recruit and train anthem enforcement agents to patrol every stadium across the country. Oh my. I'm being absurd, right? Yes, of course I am. 
as most of our rules are. Completely absurd. Most of our rules are completely absurd. Thou shalt not kill. We need a rule for that. There's a comedian who notes all of the absurd rules he counters as he goes around life. Like that sign he sees on the door on the inside of an airplane, that door that's located right on the wing of the plane, the sign boldly says, do not open this door during flight. You know why we need that sign, he says, lampooning our rule-hungry species? He says we need that sign because somewhere, sometime, someone said, hey Frank, let's go out there and have a barbecue. Most of our rules are absurd. Most of our rules are not necessary, except that we have made them so out of our own foolishness or meanness or selfishness or jealousy. We don't need any more rules. We don't need most of the ones we already have. As Jesus himself noted, we don't even need the Ten Commandments. That's what Jesus said. All the laws would be fulfilled if we just loved God and loved our neighbor. But we don't. And so we do. We don't love. And so we need the law. Ironic it is because no law can make us love. And that's all we need. Rather than love, we just keep making more laws. When I was suffering with the loss of my voice, I experienced that loss because of damage to the tenth cranial nerve that comes out of the brain and goes down in your chest and back up into your larynx and it controls everything in your throat. I was prescribed vocal therapy, not because those vocal exercises could heal the tenth cranial nerve in my body, they could not. I took therapeutic exercise only to ensure that I did no permanent physical damage to my vocal cords while my speech was impaired neurologically. The prescription, that law that I was given, if you will, was prescribed as a superficial restriction that just allowed my body time to heal itself or not, as the doctor said. The healing of a damaged nerve comes from within. No medicine, no treatment can heal the nerve. The body is its own real physician. So it is with the ten words from God. Words is a better translation than commandments. These ten words only function on the outside limiting any damage we might do to one another or to our own souls while God works to heal us from the inside. The ancient Israelites received the law as they began their wandering in the wilderness, their journey to promised land, true liberation from bondage. But several hundred years later, they found themselves in bondage again. They were exiled, this time in Babylon, according to the prophets, because they had forgotten the purpose of the law. They hadn't forgotten the law. They could have quoted all of them to you. 
The prophet said, you're in exile because you've forgotten why we had the law to begin with. Ironically, far from being a lawless nation, ancient Israel was lawful to a fault. They had so given themselves to keeping the commands legalistically, to mechanically obeying the words, that they were abusing the relationships and the people, especially the poor among them, for which and for whom the law had been given to sustain. In that moment of exile, bound by a foreign power and immersed in a foreign culture and religion, the wise prophet Jeremiah reminded the Jews that God's intention had never been legalism. God had never demanded some kind of slavish, ex slavish expectation to follow an arbitrary set of rules etched in stone. God wanted far more than that. For God knows that the only law that can change us, the only law that can really teach us how to live, is the law that is written in our hearts. Jeremiah promised that God would write that law on our hearts. But wind the clock forward about 2,600 years, and very little has changed. 2,600 years, very little has changed. On August the 1st, 2001, in the middle of the night, unbeknownst to a sleeping Alabama, a 5,280-pound rock appeared in the rotunda of the Judicial Building in Montgomery. Etched on that rock were ten words. Because by God, Judge Roy Moore said, we're going to live by God's word in Alabama. So those ten commandments ruled over justice in the heart of Dixie until the Supreme Court ruled that display a violation of the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Now what I should say is that a rock with some words scratched in, them, in it stood as a defiant idol in Alabama for two more years. I should say that because public school education in Alabama continued to rank among the worst in the nation. Unemployment in, for African Americans stayed among the highest in the nation. Violent crime persisted in Alabama, and issues of economic inequality and racial disparity remained undiscussed in Alabama. You know, they don't talk about racism in Alabama because, you know, if you don't pick that scab, it won't bleed. That's what they say in Alabama. But roll tide, war eagle, now, I don't mean to cast unfair aspersions on Alabama. We lived there for four years. I know and appreciate much about the state. Both of our sons were born in Birmingham, and there are fine folks in the cotton state. Roy Moore's now infamous battle with the Ten Commandments is just too relevant an example of the hypocrisy that is a national disgrace. Christians around the land continue to loudly defend the displaying of the Ten Commandments while showing by our lives that we hardly even know what they say, much less how they should actually teach us 
to treat one another. The sad and torturous battle over the ten words calls to mind the third commandment itself, for surely there could be no more profane use of God's name than the self-righteous pride with which we defend those words while so miserably failing to live by. The first four words, as Amy just told you, concern our relationship with God. The final six words govern our relationships with one another. This combination of emphases symbolizing the balance that alone can lead to holistic and healthy living. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's enough rules. The Ten Commandments are perhaps designed to teach us but one inviolable truth of human dignity, and that is that each and every one of us is, by virtue of our birthright alone, of infinite worth inherent. Every single one of us. You are not the means to an end, not for your lover or your friend, not for your parents or your children, not for your boss or for your government. You are not the means to an end even for God. You exist, as the German philosopher Immanuel Kant said so boldly, as end in itself. You are not to be used. You are to be loved. You are not to be judged. You are to be accepted. You are not to be manipulated, you are to be respected. You are not a number, you are a name and a face, a living, breathing image of God on this earth. That's who you are. And so are they. They are not illegals. They are not terrorists. They are not homosexuals, or communists, or conservatives, or any other label by which we can define someone in an effort to control them, to use them for our needs. You are an end worthy all alone, just as you are. You are not a means to anyone else's happiness, or achievement, or victory. And neither is anyone else to be treated as such. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's all the instruction we need. But until we can act like we understand that, and we do not. Until we can act like we understand that, ten words stand to remind us what freedom really means. Jeremiah said the day is coming when God will write the words on our heart. The day is coming when the rules will make us free enough just to love for love's own sake. In your life and mine, for the sake of our sad world broken by too many rules, let that day come very soon. May it be so. We invite you to learn more about Park Road 
at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.